content. Welcome to Tech Insights from InfoTech Research Group, the podcast where a team of expert analysts cut through all the noise and focus on what really matters for technology leaders. I'm your host, Brian Jackson. Time is up for TikTok. I'm sorry, I can't resist. But after the White House demanded the Beijing-based owner ByteDance sell its American operations to a U.S.-owned firm, or else be blocked from doing business starting on September 20th, Oracle emerged as the company that will make it happen on late Sunday night. Bloomberg reported that. This morning, Oracle confirmed that it's reached a deal to become the trusted technology provider to TikTok, whatever that means. The next step is government approval. Now, Microsoft was in the mix to buy TikTok's U.S. operations with the plan to completely move all of the data to the U.S. and take over all of its algorithms from day one. Microsoft President Brad Smith said that they would protect data against two key threats from TikTok, the risk of Chinese government infringing on the privacy of American users, and also the risk of the platform being used for misinformation. Early offers to take over the American portion of TikTok valued the U.S. business at $25 billion. And when you consider the sort of revenue generated by other popular social media platforms, it almost makes sense. But there are no details about the what Oracle is paying here, if anything. Adding more to the uncertainty are reports on Monday morning that China... Uh, will not allow TikTok to sell its algorithms to either Oracle or Microsoft. So here to try and unpack it all, uh, we have Carmi Levy, the Director of Content Marketing at InfoTech Research Group. Great to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I've been, uh, I lost my weekend with the back and forth on, on the TikTok story. Uh, it might seem trivial because it's TikTok and it's uh, you know millennials, teenagers, early twenties playing with uh, with vid- with video. But the truth of the matter is, uh, this is a template uh, for where the industry goes and for how geopolitics impacts the tech industry going forward. The canary in the coal mine. It's this case. Welcome, Carmi. And not stopping there, we also have Scott Bickley, a principal research director in our CIO group here. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on. Look forward to talking about uh, all these issues. Fun stuff here. Absolutely. And we have Mark Mazur, uh, Research Specialist in Security at Infotech. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me as the requisite suspicious security analyst on this uh, you know, special on TikTok. Well, you always need one uh, security guy to keep everybody else honest because I, I actually I've heard that Scott and Carby are using TikTok. This is shocking to, to learn. I, I know that. But uh, what are you guys watching on there? I was fascinated to learn this this morning. Well, the first thing I'm watching is my kids. And that's the reason I originally got on it. I've got kids. Uh, uh, they were in their late uh, teens when they first got there in their early 20s now. But uh, they use it. Uh, and so this is you know like all social media tools in the modern family. Uh, we're using this as sort of one of our, one of our ways of sharing. Uh, I use it to watch, and this is going to sound strange, um, unboxing videos and photography. 
because I'm into both, uh, you know, photography and obviously electronics on my own. Um, and I find a lot, there's a lot of sharing. It's almost like, it almost has that feel of what YouTube must have been like in the kind of Wild West early days while everyone was still figuring out the medium. It seems to be what's happening with TikTok as well. Lots of experimentation, lots of really neat uh, approaches to video production uh, and storytelling uh, that I find really compelling as, as, as a writer and an analyst and a journalist. And, uh, you know, to be able to kind of, you know, sort of see it play out on this, you know, incredibly new medium uh, that no one really seems to understand what it is. Uh, I find it compelling uh, and it's refreshing. And it's sort of where it's where I can, obviously I've got, you know, my own security issues. So the Chinese government's probably watching what I'm doing, but uh, I'm having a good time at the same time. Um, and it's opened my eyes as to what you can do with mobile video uh, when you put your mind to it. Okay, fair enough. Scott, what do you like on there? You know, mostly I, I watch videos that my my sons will send me um, uh, links to things that they like. So, you know, one one will be more focused on on dance uh, and choreography type uh, videos, which is kind of the mainstay of of TikTok. Uh, mm. My other son will send me things that are more politically uh, oriented or sports oriented. Um, and then the funny thing is, once you get on there, you watch the one video, you're in the app. And then you start scrolling through and looking at other things. And, and I try to put it down uh, because I have too much other stuff to do. Uh, but it's very easy to yeah. get sucked into that app. That's why I avoid it because I just – I feel like I spend too much time on social media already. I'm like – I don't need another place to sp be spending my time, another icon to click on. Well um, – you know, this this morning, we're, we're trying to figure out this deal, and there's just so much ambiguity here. I mean, to me, it seems like Oracle and ByteDance do have some sort of partnership agreement in place that's possibly not an acquisition. Uh, but do you think there's any way that an agreement could appease the White House if it doesn't end up with sort of Oracle own, you know, owning and operating uh, the TikTok algorithms and data? What, what do you think, Scott? So, you know, yeah, if you go back just the, the quick history of this deal, I mean, President Trump said, you know, if, if we if someone in a company in the U.S. cannot buy the U.S. operations of ByteDance, then he's going to mandate that the app be shut down. So um, interesting, you know, that there was a quote unquote deal announced um, today. Microsoft and Walmart Alliance did not uh, achieve the uh, obtain the bid. It looks like Oracle has however to your point they say they'll, they'll be a trusted technology partner um and and coupled with the announcement that you know china may or will not allow the algorithms to be sold this is kind of brings up the um di the the different differentiation between stakeholder groups so on one side i think you have the companies that are vying to purchase TikTok. they're going to be um, massively interested in the algorithm uh, because that's that's a, a an area of monetization that they can they could overlay onto other products and services. Uh, Oracle themselves has a social media cloud where they manage ad placement across various social media sites. Um, so that would be very appealing for them. U.S. government, on the other hand, is really concerned about the data and what what you can do with that data, coupled with artificial intelligence technology, um, all the way down to being able to identify people uh, of various positions and, and and all the way down to their location, the devices they're using, their browser history, all of that stuff. So I, I, I think that the government, if there was a, uh, a way to guarantee to their satisfaction that the data can be controled and the and the access, um, you know, potentially there could be a deal there. 
I think the, the question really hinges on, uh, is it commercially viable um, for the acquirer, so Oracle in this case, uh, to be able to have benefit and monetize that? And, um, and that's the detail we don't have yet. What is the nature of that technology partnership? What does that look like? Yeah, Carmi, what do you read into the wording being used here around this deal? Well, uh, you know, I always look at sort of what the what is, you know, try to figure out what it is that we are talking about in terms of what a deal encompasses. And, you know, I think the original intent of the executive order was to shift uh, ownership to an American company. And then, you know, in, you know, sort of if you look at the wording of that executive order was, well, then it'd be out of the clutches of the Chinese government, uh, which would, of course, serve American security interests. Well, you know, if the algorithm stays in China, all of that is off the table. And so, you know, if if it's only a partial, you know, ownerships or not even ownership, now it's partnership, but it's a partial deal. So maybe Oracle has access to the data that spits out of the algorithm, but they don't actually have access to the algorithm itself, uh, and they don't own any of it. Um, so this is no longer an American acquisition of American interests. It's really a partnership, and and uh, really we haven't moved the goalposts all that much. So um, I think it's a significantly watered down uh, level of engagement compared to what we originally envisioned, um, and and it's very difficult, especially because we don't know uh, what exactly the nature of that quote unquote trusted technology partner uh, deal is. We don't really know how far that goes, and we don't really know what's involved. And I don't really understand Oracle's end game. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's access to a data pool that they can then monetize. But beyond that, we don't really have uh, details that will allow us to suss out exactly uh, who gets what, whether it's worth it to them, and ultimately whether the the commercial uh, and security interests of the American population have been served still too early now and the snow globe is uh, still a pretty chaotic place. I, I would jump in just real quick and say, you know, there may be a little bit more wiggle room around the algorithm because uh, the algorithm, at least as I understand it to, to this point, is it's a, it's a, it's a recommendation engine. So um, there may not uh, be as much of a national security concern around uh, whether or not we own the recommendation engine as, as much as it is the data and what they can use that recommendation engine uh, or the, the data it produces to to identify people and, and, and other critical data within the country. Yeah, good point, Scott. I mean, that might be a happy medium, right, that TikTok gets to protect its uh, secret sauce there in the algorithm. But then you have Oracle that would obviously be able to house all of the data uh, from the U.S. operation in its cloud infrastructure. And as well, they could uh, perhaps be the ones that uh, are responsible for the U.S. user data. You know, I'm trying to think of how the government, the U.S. federal government, will respond to this. And on, on the one hand, I could see the administration there wanting to seize on this as a victory, saying this is what we wanted to happen and we made it happen. So now we've uh, improved our national security because of this deal. On the other hand, um, will they say, well, it's it's actually not quite what we asked for because we asked for a sale, um, an acquisition by an American company. Uh, Mark, in your mind, does this deal actually stand to improve security uh, from TikTok or is it just about politics? I mean, that's a great question, Brian. And I think one of the things that <clears throat> there's some unforeseen consequences to this deal if it actually goes through and, and some that 
you know, we could have already understood uh, from Microsoft's uh, approach to uh, data security and data privacy. First and foremost, we don't know what Oracle is going to be doing to improve the security and privacy of U.S. citizens uh, by hosting uh, that data in the U.S. We knew what it would be with Microsoft. So unfortunately, we can't see whether or not that's going to improve the security and privacy of U.S. citizens' data. Unfortunately, TikTok has had some pretty suspicious uses of data collection in the past uh, prior to the U.S. government investigating TikTok's data collection practices. Uh, it was discovered that TikTok essentially circumvented a Google Play Store uh, policy that basically said that you're not allowed to collect MAC addresses on user devices because it's essentially personally identifiable information. But TikTok found a workaround that was pretty well known, but no one really used it. But as they did so, they were essentially tying the data they were collecting to specific users. This was stopped in October of last year. And that was just right around the same time that investigators in Washington were looking at this. The unforeseen consequences that I wanted to bring up is that by forcing ByteDance to make sure that user data is stored only in the US with Oracle, rather than potentially having some kind of international storage, this kind of further balkanizes the internet and really might be bad for most social media giants like Facebook. So with the EU recently striking down the US-EU uh, privacy shield uh, in their decision in Schrems 2, stating that data sharing between the US and EU doesn't really adequately protect EU citizens' data. This might really be a bad decision going forward for any US giant because essentially they won't have much of a leg to stand on if they're arguing that you know US companies can collect data from citizens from other countries without essentially adequately protecting the data according to those countries' policies. Right. Yeah, this, this is also a, a, a proxy for a much bigger macro uh, evolution that's occurring globally, right? So it's, it's, it's taking shape really between the U.S. and China. Um, I think this might devolve into a tripolar type of uh, macroeconomic world with, with China being one region, Europe being another, and the Americas being a third where you know, Europe is probably going to take the forefront and being the uh, exemplar of, of what to do to protect people's data and privacy, as, as Mark was alluding to. Um, but, but this is an interesting, this is a very, very big use case. Everyone thinks about it as political ping pong uh, geopolitically, but it, it really does have serious ramifications for what's probably coming down the, the pike in the next decade. Yeah. Uh, aside from the security implications of all this and uh, the political implications, as you raised, Scott, a lot of people would just be surprised in general that Oracle is even interested in this sort of uh, purchase or in this sort of deal. Uh, you might say, well, Microsoft makes sense. They already own LinkedIn, so they have experience uh, with social media. But Oracle really is known for enterprise software. Carmi, why does Oracle want to play a part in what TikTok is doing in the U.S.? Well, because we tend to look at uh, at these things through like an enterprise or consumer lens. But the truth of the matter is there are no walls between them. Consumer is enterprise and vice versa. And so all of that data 
um, that is being kicked out of the algorithm um, uh, prediction engine that uh, ByteDance developed for TikTok um, is leverageable uh, across all sectors, including uh, consumer and enterprise. And so if you're an enterprise player, you're interested in the technology that makes that happen. You're interested in the insights that you can derive from the data that results from that process. Um, and, and Oracle does have some you know, consumer-facing uh, advertising platforms that can significantly benefit from this technology. Uh, they are in the space, and they are, they're making money now, and they want to make a lot more money. Um, and Microsoft validated that, you know, mine the data uh, ethos with its LinkedIn purchase a few years back, uh, and it had hoped to repeat the process. Uh, now Oracle is going to pick up that baton and try to, you know, gain some benefit for itself. And so the reality is there's value uh, in the data, even if they don't get to see the algorithmic source code. Um, and they can monetize it six ways from Sunday, uh, despite the fact that, you know, most observers would dismiss this because, well, TikTok is just about some kids. No, the technology that's serving up all of that content to just those kids is deadly serious and you can make a heck of a lot of money from it. And Oracle wants in and they want to be front of the line. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And Scott, you were pointing out that Oracle has some social listening software that might, uh, there might be some integration opportunities there. Yeah, I, I see a, a few different ways Oracle could benefit from this. <clears throat> One uh, would be if they were able to actually host the US-based operation of this app on Oracle's cloud infrastructure, um, which would be a, a, another marquee logo win for them, along with Zoom uh, that they just picked up. Uh, the second would be, as, as Carmi alluded to, integrating the, uh, the algorithmic insights into their social media cloud, um, which is focused on ad placement, because they may not be able to own the algorithm, but I would be really surprised if there wasn't a licensing component to access that algorithm. Um, the other thing that I would look for is, is definitely the ability to have a revenue stream from the US base and the ad base on this application. So, uh, I mean, think about it this way, we were talking maybe 25 billion, I've heard numbers up to 50 billion. Well, if they even if they were able to ramp ads up to 10 billion a year on this platform, which is you know a pretty big number, but not uh, not uh, out of the realms of reality, a 10x multiple on that would give that part of their business alone a hundred billion dollar market cap, which is huge. And then That's the fourth, big. yeah, it's big. And then the fourth item would be, and this is kind of out there a little bit, but what if they had rights eventually to uh, resell in a protected shell? the algorithm to other social media sites, and they became the B2B broker of, uh, of the hottest algorithm. This reminds me of the HBO series Silicon Valley. I don't know if you've ever watched that, and everything's about the compression algorithm, um, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's a really funny show, but uh, it, it has so many parallels to this deal. It, it's uh, uncanny, actually. Uh, it's all in the algorithm, and it'll be interesting to see um, how the deal handles that. Um, there's other interesting aspect to the story with Oracle here, because there's a lot of ties in the organization to the Trump administration. Uh, mainly, we see the CEO, Safra Katz, served on the president's transition team. And Katz has donated more than $125,000 towards uh, Trump's re-election campaign. So, you know, you look at this whole deal, it was driven by political pressure, and now it looks like TikTok is going to end up in the hands of a company that's favored by the White House. 
<laughs> I mean, what are the implications of of that for firms that are doing business in the U.S. from foreign jurisdictions? I think it sets a dangerous precedent uh, where you know the uh, the government, uh, a duly elected government, uh, can. Um, influence outcomes in a supposedly free market economy to the degree that they are, um, that they can dictate, uh, you know, regulatory, unvetted regulatory changes, in this case, just deciding one day waking up that, you know, TikTok's model no longer works in the U.S. and they've got to sell, they've got to sell. Um, and, and, you know, essentially deciding who has the right and who doesn't to do business here. It's very autocratic. It's very Soviet era, uh, you know, central government uh, decision making, um, and you know, it should send a chill to anyone, not just in Silicon Valley, but in any industry. That if you find yourself on the wrong side of the political curve, there could be uh, an executive order waiting for you that will significantly rock your world and not to the better. Um, and so, you know, I, I when when you know when I when we first heard that this was in the offing, uh, I felt a chill down to the base of my spine. This is not how market economies are supposed to evolve. Um, and, you know, I certainly understand uh, the security concerns. I've been expressing them since day one on this app. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty big leap from there to literally dictating who can own what and how they must operate. Uh, that is not how we operate in the U.S. It's not how we operate in, in you know, free capitalist driven democracies. Um, and if this is allowed to proceed in its current form, it sets a precedent for this to occur, not just in the U.S. again in future, but in other countries where they kind of don't like the they don't like the way things are going. In other words, traditional regulatory uh, approaches no longer enough. Time to take out the nuclear option and use it because if, if it worked in the U.S., well, it'll work elsewhere as well. I I, I would say that um, you know that those are all great viewpoints. I I have a, a slightly different viewpoint on this. I would say. Part of the trade-off the U.S. has made over the last 40 years in its trade policy with China has been allowing its intellectual property to be pilfered and uh, and 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 utilized um, by the Chinese government, which has extremely onerous terms for doing business in their country. Uh, so that's run its course up to this point. And I think there's a seismic shift now in the current administration to say now this type of uh, of IP. Um, and data access it poses a national security threat. Um, and so you saw it with 5G. You see it going on with 5G now in Huawei. And I think that use case is a lot easier for most people to wrap their heads around versus uh, an app like TikTok. But the ramifications when you start combining and converging technologies like facial recognition and AI and all of the data and privacy issues um, uh, absolutely does have a, a realistic ring to uh, to there being some real concerns there. I think the style by which uh, it's come about is definitely uh, more in your face. But but none of the none of the ideologies that our, our market economies are based on are pure in form. So I, I don't think this is unprecedented. I think the style in which it's coming across is unprecedented. I also think it's interesting, you know, when you look at who's who's winning these these deals and these battles. Um, I always tell my kids, you are who you hang with. And uh, as you see, you know, Proceeding this with the Jedi uh, Defense Initiative deal, you know Amazon probably clearly had a more mature cloud platform. Uh, lost that that uh, multi-billion-dollar deal to Microsoft. Here you see Oracle close political ties to the Trump administration wins this deal. Those are the types of things I think Carmi shed some some valid points on uh, that could be concerning and 
um, and where we'll have to see what other regulatory agencies like CFIUS and the SEC and others chime in on this as well. Anything to add to that, Mark? Well, absolutely. So I just wanted to point out that all of the talk around restricting TikTok or banning TikTok is around the language that's about security and not privacy. And what a lot of security and privacy researchers have found is that while TikTok has maybe circumvented some privacy policies on the Google store and that some of their data collection practices are a little suspect, it's not very different from many social media applications that are currently hosted in the United States. And this is, I think, one of the biggest issues that there's not really a moral high ground when it comes to banning TikTok when you have companies like Facebook as well as Amazon and Google that are collecting massive amounts of data. And there's really no privacy regulation at a national level to curb this voracious appetite to continue to collect and use that data without you know, protecting the privacy of any of US citizens or citizens across the globe. And really what seems to be needed is some form of national regulation, which does not seem to be happening in Washington. You know, we end up with this very piecemeal privacy regulation from California, a couple of other states like Vermont are, you know, about to implement their own privacy regulations. But this makes it much more difficult for businesses that rely on collecting user data to have a, a, a central strategy. They're going to have to respond to every single state that they're working in. And it's, it's just ineffective. So uh, really talking about security really does need to be paired with privacy in this way going forward to really add legitimacy to any of these deals that are going to restrict access to any kind of collection from an application, regardless of how circumspect it is from a market-driven perspective. Yeah, those okay. are great points, Mark. Those are great points. I mean, we're saying basically it's okay if if uh, we have control of the companies that have access to all your information and can use it for whatever purpose we don't even know about, uh, but but it's not okay for uh, an international entity or China specifically to have that access. But yeah, it, it highlights highlights the big. We're the issue, good guys. Mark. You can trust us. Yeah, right. we're only Plenty able to improve your lives. Uh, scary. <laughs> Well, uh, the next two things that I'm really looking for in this story are, number one, how will the U.S. government respond to this deal? Uh, and then once that happens, of course, we'll be looking at the details that are beneath this. How will Oracle and TikTok operate if they assuming they get government approval? What does that operating model look like? And that could be a whole other issue to unpack when we consider um, foreign companies that want to be doing this sort of business in the U.S. in the future. And uh, where do, what's that algorithm um, going to be looking like? Who's in control of it? Who gets access to it? And, and what will it be able to accomplish in the future? But I'm going to wrap up this episode. We've been talking for about half an hour here. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the panel and contributing your thoughts to this issue. So great thank being you. a part of this. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thanks very much, Brian. And for our listeners, thank you so much for listening again to Tech Insights. Remember to subscribe to us. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and really wherever else you get your podcasts. Again, I'm your host, Brian Jackson.